Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. Revolting with Steel and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 57, The Never-Ending Treasure Hunt. Content warning, we're going to say bad words and make too many poop jokes. It's likely. If you're not down with that, Disney probably makes some podcasts you'd like better. So, beat it, and let's get on with the show. <laughs> we already tried to record a little bit this morning, and there was another array of leaf blowers outside of your house so we're we hit stop and we're getting this whole process cooking again but i would like to mention that while we were on the topic of other podcasts that my friend turned me on to one last night called my dad wrote a porno and she said it was so funny that she like physically hurt herself laughing (laughs) and would have to pull over the car because she was laughing too hard to see or she'd have to stop and fix her eye makeup before she went to work because she cried all of it off. So I don't know. I haven't listened to it. I can't vouch for it one way or the other. But it sounds pretty promising. She, I mean, she's got a pretty good sense of humor. I, I trust her take on it. Uh, I just, you know, but it was last night and I was busy doing other stuff, not listening to podcasts that I might like or not like maybe, you know, that's the thing you recommend something that you really like to one of your friends and they'd, don't enjoy it at all yeah and then you kind of gotta you question your own tastes a little bit yeah question theirs whatever yeah yeah that's right uh especially if it's an investment of time i guess if you're listening to a podcast you'll know in five or ten minutes if you can hang yeah oh although you know there was a couple of people i maybe it was farentino i asked him not so long ago if he might be interested in sitting in on a conversation with us. Yeah. And he, he was pretty diplomatic about it, but he, he kind of basically said, yeah, I listened to a couple episodes and there. It's not very good. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) Which I appreciate, uh, you know, his candor, but, that's I, like if someone's if you invited somebody over for a party and they were like, you know, I've been to your house. <laughs> I'm going to pass. <laughs> Uh, I think you may have listened to the first couple of episodes or a few oh, episodes, like, yeah. I don't know, like 16 episodes, like the first episodes, we've said this before, the first episodes were, were kind of touch and go for us. You understand. So this is episode 57. You understand that when we get to 114, we're going to be like, yeah, 57 and below. <laughs> everything, everything up garbage. until 80 was trash, but now yeah. we're cooking with gas. But- uh, yeah, I, you know, it just, I don't know. The sound quality wasn't good cause I didn't know where I was sitting. And so it was real echoey and I didn't know how to right. have a conversation concisely. I think I said, um, a lot. So yeah. anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Oh, podcasts, you know, uh, and another thing, I just watched a movie night before last called bullet train is the new Brad. Pitt oh, I movie. watched it a couple nights ago too. I watched it again last night. Holy shit. I love it so much. 
It's what so do you love about it? Everything. The, 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 like the rapport, the the physical humor, uh, the concept, the twists and the turns and the cameos. And it was like, it was like, a, I mean, it was a comic book come to life for sure. It was cartoonish. Yes. Yeah. And it was just great. It was great. I love that. I love that sort of movie. And I guess I really appreciate all that. The actors in it as well. It entertained me. So, like, yeah, I mean, if people are listening to this and they say, oh, I haven't, you know, meant to see that. And then they watch it and they say, this is literally, quite literally, the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And then you have to, you know, then that sort of reflects on our aesthetic or our taste. I don't know. I mean, I hope people's expectations of us and our taste are mm. pretty low. Not but... super high, no. No, I feel no, I feel almost like 57 episodes in, I feel no responsibility anymore. Do anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I barely have, I barely feel a responsibility to pay attention or even finish today's episode. Like, it's just, it's so loosey-goosey up in this piece. It feel, it's good. I no commitment. I have crawled into, in order to avoid the chorus of leaf blowers and other construction nonsense that's happening outside my house at all time, probably sent by the government to drive me insane so I give up all my secrets. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I'm in this tiny crawl space. Uh, I've put a lot of effort into this uh, thing right now, so anyone who has criticisms of it can... Um, Blow them out their pie hole area. <laughs> Wait, which is the pie hole? It's is the, the mouth. pie hole the mouth? Yeah. Yeah. I meant the other hole. They can blow it out the other one. The not, I guess the later pie hole? It'd be post pie hole. Post pie hole. Used to be pie. Now yeah. it's, now it's post pie. It's post pie. Um, what, right, uh, what day? So we're recording it on a different day today. And we really flipped the script uh, considerably. Because Tuesday is usually when we record, and then I needed to record later Tuesday. That didn't work for you. And then I wanted to record Thursday. And then we're, I was thinking maybe record at nighttime. Maybe that's what we need to do to really polish this turd. Uh, we yes. couldn't do that because you, you had a meeting. And, uh, and then now it's Thursday. We're doing this whole thing. It's totally opposite world today. I'll confess to you, this might not be news to anyone listening. I'm a fucking mess this week. Mm. I'm a fucking mess. Uh, the meeting I had the other night that precluded us from doing this uh, was with uh, our financial advisor, who basically let me know that working in the bike industry isn't getting it financially. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and... And I need to figure my shit out and grow up. I'm paraphrasing. She's a very nice lady and she didn't say any of those words. But that was the that's what that was my takeaway. Are you still playing bikes? She didn't really say, but kind of said. Uh, yeah. Well, mm, yeah, it's true. It sucks. It's not. There's it no. Sucks. What's the I saw. I saw a really cool documentary about uh, First Ave, the, the big famous venue in Minneapolis. Oh yeah. Uh, and they talked to, I think the guy is the current owner and he said, you know, as they always say to make a small fortune, you got to start with a large one. And that's right. uh, I feel like, you know, that, that sort of that same perspective has been applied to uh, a whole lot of aspects of the bike industry to make, 
I make a mil to make a million dollars. You got to start with two. Uh, yeah. Is anybody getting ahead? You know, besides the people who are already ahead. I just feel like we're just these like faceless minions scrambling around looking for crumbs. I mean, this is a podcast. We're literally faceless. Uh huh. I meant that sort of. Uh, I know what you meant. Sp- uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Yeah. It's sort of in uh, general, in general. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, and I have this one guy, uh, he's, he's a cool kid. He's a skater, lives in Portland named Donovan Rice. Uh, he, if he, he made his deck, he's sponsored by ATM and I love his deck a lot. So if anybody's looking for a good skateboard board, Donovan Rice's deck is great, but he's hyped about the bike industry and he's constantly making video edits for different companies and, sending them to me and what do you think about this one and what do you think about that one and i said are you getting paid for any of this or are you just doing this out of the kindness of your heart because you want to get a foot in the door in the bike industry and and it's the latter you know and i'm not the guy who's i'm not, i can't be super enthusiastic about anybody working for anybody for free but he's young and hungry and he's going for it and you know i hope that he is wildly successful in his pursuit of uh spot in the bike industry but i'm not i uh, i i hope it works out for him but i'm not super I, i'm not i don't feel a great amount of optimism when seeing people trying to get their foot in the door if the bike industry were a car and it pulled into a gas station and like did that whatever put your card in but fast but then leave it in but now take it out uh and then put the nozzle in the tank what came out of the nozzle would be young hungry people well, it's a fun- that's fuel. That's the fuel of the bike industry. Yeah, the, I mean the whole. I'm kind of talking shit, but it's also supported me for, in, to, in some degree or another, for twenty almost thirty years. In your lavish lifestyle. Whatever. I mean, it's it's <laughs> it's yeah. It's not it's not great. I mean, it's it's a little more famine than it is feast, but it's still. Oh, it's great. Provided me with a direction you know sort of I lo- I, i'm talking shit also but i love it so much i love it so much i just wonder if there's i don't know if there's any other world that i am immersed in you know st- and, and by that i mean it's just things that i like that i want to write about or that i want to do or take pictures of or whatever you know it's basically like bikes and skateboards and music and and uh, it's not really I don't really see a way to make a living in any of those things. <laughs> I'm just well, kind of like I, I, bobbing. My belief is that the the cooler your job is, the less they have to pay you to do it. Man, that's such a bummer. But you're right. <laughs> it's true. You don't Everybody need to get. Everybody wants to do. You don't need to get paid. Does everyone want to do what we do? Yeah. I, maybe not. You don't need to get paid. You're having fun. That's right. Yeah. There was a really interesting thing that I saw. It was like a poll or something. It was on Twitter or something, maybe like two or three months ago. I might've brought this up previously, but somebody said it was just a general question. Like if you could do anything, you know, money wasn't an object, what would you do? And you just scroll through, like there was like a thousand answers and everybody was, everybody said that they would do, if they could do whatever they wanted to, they would do some engage in some creative endeavor. Like, I think it's our nature to do fun creative 
things. We just want to play, you know? Um, but we live in this, you know, capitalistic model and you can't play or there isn't, there isn't a market for people who play, or if there is, it's like this, you know, where you're constantly like fighting for your next buck. We're doing great. It's fine. It's everything's great. You're right. Everything's great. It's amazing. So good. How's your day today? Um, great. Yeah. It's yeah. Great. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sun and sh- sun is shining. There's crews of guys blowing leaves around in in, in circles. Yeah. What could you want? What more could you want? I feel like the last couple episodes, I was a little down in the mouth, kind of like kind of pouty about shit. And I'm not really pouty about shit. I'm just kind of there's a what's the the fine line between optimism and or realism and pessimism? You know, right? It's really easy to get tipped over that other side. But well, I it's not that. I think bad. you and I, you and I also have. Uh, like therapeutic roles in each other's lives. So when we get on here together, I think it's natural to have an airing of grievances and, uh, you know, talk, talk each other off proverbial little ledges, but not really yeah, ledges because nobody's going we, anywhere. Nobody's like ready to to quit throwing the towel and you know find a new vocation. Right, because we're good at this. I mean, so good. We're we're okay at this. Among the best, among the b- most okay. I am so, the very best me that has ever existed in all of known history. You are. I'm amazing. And you're like a Winnie Pooh. You're like a Winnie the Pooh character. I know. I can't. Let's do music picks. Can't believe uh, more people don't want a piece of this. <laughs> yeah, let's do music picks. I like yours. Do you? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Go so ahead. I was nervous about mine because it's a serious departure. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this week I am picking Thelonious Monk and specifically the album Monk from 1965. And it has this, uh, it has this, uh, what do you call it? Song? Does, mm. jazz, does jazz have songs? Kind of. Yeah. It, jazz and is kind of, or like a song is kind of like an arrangement. It's a piece. It has a piece yeah. on it called Just You, Just Me, which I really, really, really like. It's got a bunch of other good stuff on it. And and here's the thing. I'm not a jazz guy. I'm not a jazz guy. I don't jazzercise. I don't smoke jazz cigarettes. I don't have jazz fingers. But in the and this relates to today's episode very directly, because I spent a lot of years leafing through bins in record stores. And at some point I said to myself, well, you should educate yourself a little bit about the jazz music. And so I started buying things that I'd heard of. And when I first bought some Thelonious Monk records, I thought to myself, and this is, I don't know if this is fair or not, but I was like, Oh, this guy is the punk rock of jazz. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't have a smooth, uh, style on the piano he's hammering at them and at the time people were like Thelonious Monk is fucked up like this isn't good jazz he's not a good jazz musician and later they were like oh I get what he was doing it was this awesome thing Mm -hmm. and so I think of Thelonious Monk as kind of punk rock and and anyway I really love this record I've listened to it a million times it's good to do work too. It's good to put on while you make food. Um, yeah. 
Likewise, I'm not super well versed on it. You know, my dad had a pretty huge record collection growing up and he had all kinds of stuff. And I learned about all kinds of stuff through him and his varied tastes. Uh, and then I kind of went away from that and said, nope, all that exists is punk rock. Everything else is garbage. And then right. in the last, you know, few decades, I began revisiting all of these things. And I think, you know, I don't even think I knew that Thelonious Monk was a thing until I was in high school and I got into Thelonious Monster. Yep. And then I, and then somewhere along the way, I see Thelonious Monk and I realize like, oh, okay, these guys took their name from this other guy. Like, I like these guys. What's this guy about? You know, yeah. kind of like just how, how punk rock sort of shapes your views on politics and the environment and you learn, I don't know if everybody got this, but I learned more about random shit inadvertently, I think, you know, through, through punk rock than, than s school, certainly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's great. It's really good. You know, that's like, he's the kind of musician that I like to, if I had a sofa, I would probably recline on my sofa and listen to it and just kind yeah, of, that just kind of trip out. That is, that is good. And that is right. And what you said a second ago about, you know, I think for me, punk rock becomes this filter so that when I take in other genres, I'm looking for the punk rock of that genre, uh -huh. which is, which isn't fair to the person making that music because they, they don't think about it that way. Right. Uh, well, you're not, you're not forcing them to look at it through that lens. Just, that's, that's just you. There's a, there's a young woman. I think she's from Nashville um very pop uh pretty polished her name is emily deal and uh i don't i guess i found her on the internet somewhere and she and i have kind of like i don't know she's we've had some exchanges some email exchanges but she did she did this one she's very do-it-yourself she writes her you know writes her own music she does her own choreography she shoots her own videos she like she's sort of a force and while the music isn't necessarily my cup of tea, her whole ethos is amazing. And it's, I did, I described it as being like without even thinking or even understanding like that she could be considered punk as fuck. I wrote this whole thing and I was like, this is absolutely to my, to my perspective is, is the, is the very uh, nature of, of punk rock. And she came across it, or maybe I emailed it to her or something. And she's like, holy shit, that's, that's really cool. You know, I never really considered that, but it's, I, I don't know. I don't know. I just think she's, she's very talented. She seems like a really nice person and, 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 uh, absolutely not what one could sit, would consider traditional punk rock aside from her values and work, work ethic. I think that's what matters. I mean, I think when I take in music from, other genres i'm looking for like honesty authenticity did they do it themselves does right. it is it like does it have a rawness right and if it has all those things it doesn't matter like a great example in my mind would be like the public enemy record it takes a nation to millions to hold us back that is a punk rock record yeah yeah well um, we, yeah we've talked to we've talked about this before yeah it absolutely yeah. it absolutely is i think it's i think it's a it's a fun conversation uh, and a fun topic to to cover from as many different angles because everybody's you know what is 
is punk a fashion? Is punk a political statement? Is punk this, punk that? You know, now there's this whole like conservatism is the new punk rock, blah, blah, blah. And yeah, I don't think that's right, but you know, it's all subjective. Yeah. Um, okay. Good shit. Uh, the record, it's a band and a record that I'm going to uh, mention this week is Acid Bath. Uh, the band being, or the band is Acid Bath and the record is called When the String Pops. And it's uh, a metal band from, how do you pronounce it? H O U M A, Homa, Louisiana. Like, oh, I don't know. Deep deep louisiana and uh the guitarist i believe he was the guitarist is a cat named dax riggs uh who later was the singer and guitarist in a two-piece band called dead boy and the elephant men which is considered <laughs> what uh doom uh wait doom folk that's what i've heard it referred to as um if your name is dax riggs you have to be a guitar player yeah. In some sort of wacky band, right? Dax Riggs? Yeah. So Acid Bath, I only knew. they. Uh, well, maybe the singer-guitarist, I think he passed away in like 2014 or something, and the band disbanded. And I knew only in passing. I heard little bits and pieces, and the, the record label that put When the String Pops out was holding on to the songs really closely. And I learned that Basically, anytime anybody would put a track on YouTube, it would get pulled down. It was really hard to find anything out about this band. Uh, but I knew what I had heard, the little that I had heard, I liked very much. And I I knew that I liked the other projects that I'd heard Dax Riggs being uh, a part of. Um, so I, anyway, I was able to track down a copy of uh, When the String Pops, and it, it's been out of print forever. And I was able to f- track down a copy. It's two... Uh, album set. I think they have two records out all in all. Uh, it's a double LP? A double LP, yeah. A double long playing? And it's really good. It's kind of what you'd expect, you know, some fucking Hessians in the bayou to play, you know? Uh, yeah. Kind of, uh, you know, I hate God, but not I hate God, kind of down, but not down. Like, it's swampy swamp metal swamp metal yeah but it's i it, like the sound of it it's real good it's real good it's hard to find that section at the record store the swamp can, you, metal. can you direct me to swamp metal i think anybody from louisiana who's in a metal band probably would be it'd be considered that they played swamp metal but anyway it's good and they have a really interesting and they have an interesting history you know and they talk about like when are you gonna when you guys get back together and they said no without the dude who died we're not a band and then who knows what happened to the other guys? I don't know. It's just kind of interesting when you've got this dynamic of people who make like the creative process to me by myself with only with only me as a filter is fucking hard enough as it is. And I can't yeah. imagine how complex it is to make a cohesive thing with three or four other people. That just blows my mind that that anybody has ever been in a band before. Not only, you know, but there's so many bands, but when it really fucking clicks, like that's super impressive to me. And then when it goes away just as quickly as it happened, like that blows my mind. It's just, I don't know. I think it's a super fascinating thing. 
It, it is, and it's so hard. I've been in a few bands, and I've always been in bands with people I was really good friends with. And even when everything is going pretty well, you sort of hate each other a little bit. Um, yeah, I could see. So, I could see that. Yeah, you know, like nobody is doing none of the other people are doing exactly what you want. But then what happens is there are these moments where everybody is doing the right thing or a right thing. And it feels so good. You you end up sort of chasing that feeling again. Um, yeah. And then oftentimes what happens is there's maybe there's three of you or four of you and you're like, oh, man, that was so good. And then you listen to it back and you're like, nope, we still blow. <laughs> but it felt good at the time. Uh, well, I mean, anytime, anytime you, anytime you, you check all those boxes in the, in the creative process again, you know, like in the bands I've been in, it's okay. It's okay. It was okay. You know, like it was not yeah. super interesting. It was really like we were, we were creating a blueprint on regular paper with dull pencils. You know, there was something there. It was going in a specific direction if we'd really stuck with it. But again, you know, well, we didn't. And so who knows? Like, who knows? B but just to get a tiny little taste of doing something right, you yeah. know, it's the right sound or it's the right hook or it's the right mark or whatever your process is or whatever your uh, uh, inclination is. Like, it's really, if it's it feels really good. But I, I can't imagine what it would be like to put a whole record out, put whole, you know, like entire songs. That's just... Yeah, there's a real alchemy, alchemy to mind. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, Thelonious Monk and uh, Acid, Bath. Acid Bath. And now we're going to take a word, for, have a word from our beloved sponsor. Oh, hey, it's story time with Steve-O. In 1992, I lived in Denver with a couple of bike punks named Mark Dickerson and Dave Strunk. They were both ex-messengers who worked in shops around the Denver area. And one thing that Mark imparted upon me was sort of the importance of Shimano as an entity in the industry. He would go on at length about the painstaking efforts they would put into every product they brought to market and his enthusiasm for Shimano as a company, as well as the products that they made was undeniable and infectious. It was really at that point in my relationship with it, as a company that I fell in love and I never looked back. So forever and ever, happily ever after, Steve and Shimano sitting in a tree. All right. Okay, we're back. Wow. Shimano. What's this episode about? This episode is about uh, the never ending search for treasure. Uh, whether it's constantly searching through record store bins or used book store shelves. Or casing your local trails. I like I do this all the time. I'm on my local trails. I've ridden them for decades. I know where all the rocks are and all the routes, but I'm still convinced that actually maybe I've missed some cool trail that's there that I it's still there to be discovered. Um, or maybe like you find an abandoned building in the woods and you have to go inside it because there might be something awesome in there. Mm -hmm. And yeah. it could be awesome graffiti or it could be an awesome thing. Who knows? An awesome dead body. Yeah. Dripping in jewels. 
Uh, yeah, I, could I, be that. Yeah, I dig. I I dig all of this. I kind of as far as the trails thing goes. I always talk like refer to it as zigging when you usually zag. Uh, even yeah. you know, even if it's trails you've been on a bunch of times. I used there was one in that is stands out for me in Santa Cruz when I lived there, and it was this network of trails I'd been on. You know, a hundred times, hundred fifty times, two hundred times, and then one day there was this. There was a left. You know, and I'd, I'd ridden past <laughs> right. this left a million times. And so I went and it was this whole, it was this whole other thing, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I'd just been distracted or, you know, I think a lot of times people just kind of, they got somewhere to be or they've got, or they got someone, something to do or someone to see. And so you're like not existing in this state of constant curiosity uh and i think that's how that's how treasures get found yeah yeah i think that's right and i think there takes like my wife has spent so much time waiting for me in record and bookstores for that exact reason you really Um, it's hard unless you're with somebody who's in the exact same mindset uh, it's really hard to, because you're on yeah. somebody else's schedule, right? It's hard. Yeah. To, I, I hate subjecting somebody else to my, my mania. Yeah. And it is, it's a mania. It's like, I, there was this used bookstore in Alston where I lived in the early nineties called discovery. And it was run by this little, I think she was Peruvian woman. She was like that tall, uh, I don't know, four or five inches tall. <laughs> and she would be re- constantly reading uh, philosophy and like weird sociology and left wing politics in English. But when you tried to speak to her in English, it went really badly. So she was like this incredible intellectual who uh, couldn't communicate very well in English. And it's, yeah. No. Okay. Yeah. And I think it was. I don't even know why it was. She would call me, she called me dear. And every time I went in there, she'd say, oh, I have something for you. And she would pull out a book. Somehow she would know the things that I wanted. But I, and there was no rhyme or reason to this bookstore at all. Like she just got books and put them in piles or boxes. It was just shit everywhere. And my wife was like, I'm never setting foot in that place. (laughs) How could you find anything? It's not separated by genre. It's not like alphabet. There's no rhyme or reason. And I would be like, it's perfect. Yeah, it's perfect. I'm just rifling through boxes. And occasionally you find that book as she sold records too, or, or a book or a record. And you'd be like, because <gasps> everything was like three dollars. Yeah. So there was like cheap treasure everywhere you went. You don't get you don't involve yourself in a place like that. <clears throat> uh, when you don't like you, you don't just peruse a store like that. You don't just like cruise in. I mean, you can cruise in and kind of poke around and see if anything catches your eye. If you're just walking down the street, but you know, the, the, the real magic about places like that is, is, or the magic can be found when you have time to invest and you show yeah. up and you start on one end and you say like, okay, I'm going to spend, you know, two hours or I'm going to spend an hour, but I'm not going to, I know I'm not going to get through everything but I'm not in any rush to get, to get to 
the other end of the corner or get on with my day right. or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's also like the cool thing about used bookstores, and I think a thing that I like even more is not necessarily the books that are there, but the things that you sometimes find in the books. Like, sure. Think, you know, people tuck. There was a, I can't remember if it was, a, it's like a leather goods store, like a, like a bondage store in San Francisco. And I found this yellow card that had all of the bandana code for gay men. Like if you have a blue bandana in your right pocket, it's this, or you have a yellow bandana in your left pocket. Oh. It's like the hanky code, I think. And I've carried a black bandana in my left pocket forever. And then I was like, Oh, <laughs> so that's what that means. I didn't know I was shopping for that particular grocery. <laughs> I think it's great that you went from leather goods very quick. Leather goods, which is like sheepskin Best, seat covers yeah. by the side of the hideway. You went straight from leather goods to bondage store to bandana code. Well, I realized when I said leather goods, it could be seat covers or jackets or uh, whatever. And But it is like very specific uh, and right. extremely expensive. You know, like the money yeah. that... Like this, I remember one, I ended up getting a catalog to the store. Like somebody sent me a catalog <laughs> and it was all these photos. And I don't know how I got on the mailing list and I never got more than one catalog, but the, the stuff, the images were so cool, so crazy. And apparently somebody has, you know, $5,000 to spend on a leather mummy bag that has stainless <laughs> hardware that fucking hangs upside down from the ceiling. Like that's somebody's kink and they have money to spend on it. Like that was wildly fascinating to me. Yeah. So, oh, and so there's another thing, like there's a random treasure shows up in the mail and I still have right. the catalog. Like it's in my, of course you do. You know, I <laughs> called him one time and I said, Hey, could I get another catalog? And they said, yeah, that'll be $75 or something. And they were like, Whoa. it's like, it's like a yellow pages thick catalog. Like, oh. I mean, it is legit. Uh, but I didn't have $75, so I just stuck with the one that I had for God, free. kink is expensive. I know. Mr. S's Leathers in San Francisco. Check it out. Oh. Bananas. Bananas, I just thought yeah. it'd be, I wanted like an isolation mask, like a, you know, like a Gimp mask. I thought that'd be kind of a cool thing to have just to wear to parties or whatever. Right. Those fucking things are like $500. Yeah. Way too much I hate for when a, a really funny joke is expensive. You're like, <laughs> God, how much am I willing to spend for one laugh? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then you got to really try to get your money's worth. And people are like, oh, fuck, here comes Robot wearing the bondage mask again. Jesus, that shit was played out two years ago. I bought a rubber pigeon mask a couple years ago. And I was like, I'm going to take pigeon pictures everywhere. But exactly what you said happened. People were like. I would show up at stuff and be like, where's your pigeon mask? And I was like, well, fuck, this yeah. isn't funny anymore. It probably wasn't super funny to begin with. No, it probably wasn't. I found that there's a kiss, like a licensed kiss clothing. It's a website. And yeah. you're wearing the, your uh, rock and roll, rock, rock and roll, roll, over. roll over shirt right now. So yeah. it's kind yeah. of maybe ironic or not. I don't know. Um, but anyway, you can get like licensed Ace Freely suits, like the Spaceman with the big, you know, silver sort of bandolero things, or you can get, you know, Peter Chris's boots or Paul Stanley's boots, but they have the licensed custom built Gene Simmons demon boots. Ooh. And I was thinking, how dope would it be just to like 
uh, oh, you know Stevel? No, who's that? You know, he's the dude that is always wearing the Gene Simmons boots. <laughs> like, I don't want the rest of the costume. I just want the boots. But those just are to very... go grocery shopping in those boots, not <laughs> once, but like all the time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those are very, I mean, not surprisingly, they are extremely expensive. So, I, yeah. you know, like just the stuff to you like to wear as a gag or whatever. I can't, yeah. I can't afford any of that. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, oh, so the things that you find in, in books, I think, are sometimes as fun as the books themselves. Yeah, in old used books, you would find I would find like letters from people, mm-hmm. or like a de- or like more regularly, it was a dedication. The book had been given to somebody by someone else, and so yeah. it was weird. I would pay like a dollar for a like a early twentieth century paperback, and I would get it, and there would be this like heartfelt dedication from one person to another, and I would be like. The other person either was like, fuck this book <laughs> or they're dead now. And just like thinking about what their relationship was like and what their lives were like, I think is pretty neat. Yeah. Well, there's a little bit of a like a sort of an anthropological study that that surrounds these these uh, finds. You know, you go into a thrift store and you find I remember finding a girl's uh, yearbooks and then I found her name and then I found her picture and I found all of these effects and I'm like, you know, okay, what ha- so what happened to her? What I understand yeah. that people's yearbooks maybe don't really mean anything to them, but like that, you know, there's a story behind these winding up here, and I wonder what hers is. Yeah, I think I think now that you're bringing this up, I think there are two layers to this thing. Cause like I would go to Discovery and the little woman's name was Yolanda. I remember that. Her name was Yolanda. How are you doing, dear? That's what she would say to me. How are you doing, dear? Um, and so there was this component of, like, finding these books that I really wanted to read. And that was exciting because it was, you know, like, at some point in your reading, you, fu- you go down rabbit holes and you, you want to find weird books. And then you find them eventually, and they're real treasures. It's not treasures. It's not like uh, the Pelican... Oh, look, I found the Pelican Brief again, or, um, you know, oh, here's Grapes of Wrath. It's like you're finding uh, what to you is real literary treasure or or records, right? Like records from bands that broke up and they were never on a big label to begin with. Whatever. You find like rare things and you're excited about it. Oh, for but sure. But there's, there's also this secondary thing, as you say, which is like the shit you find in the books or like you're riding your bike in the woods and you find an abandoned building and there's an amazing piece of graffiti in it. And you're like, who did this graffiti? Yeah. And it's fun to, or like you find a piece of equipment that's abandoned there because it was too heavy to move out of the woods. And you're like, who were the people that used this? And it's just like, to me, those are treasures and thinking about like, like it's it's Raiders of the Lost Ark shit. A little, <clears throat> a little bit. I I remember I was talking to my mom at one point. There, there's a magazine, kind of a fanzine, but it's, it's pretty nice quality called Found. Are you familiar with yeah. it? Yeah. So for folks who maybe haven't seen Found before, it's um, collections of things that either the people who make the magazine have found or that people have found and sent in. And their photos and their letters and their, um, uh, keep some, you know, various kinds of keepsakes and whatnot. And I think 
I feel like my mom was asking me, what do you like? What what about this appeals to you? Not questioning why it appealed to me, just like, you know, what's your what's your take on this? And I remember saying that it gives me a bit of pause to recognize that we're all kind of in this together. You know, we all we're we're all here and we're it's really uh, simple for me to narrow my aperture and look at my life as, you know, I'm the center of my world. And, and there aren't myriad of uh, legions of other people experiencing joy and heartbreak and curiosity. And, you know, it just kind of, it's just kind of like, it's a good reminder that, that I'm not the only one here, which is obvious because every time you walk out your door, there's, there's millions of us, you know, but this is just sort of this beautiful little static display. And is similarly, you go into a building and you see a piece of abandoned equipment, or you see some weird little installation, or you see a graffiti piece, or you find a note in a book or some photos and a record or even a website. There's a web, a website. I think it's a Tumblr page called the internet K hole. Mm. And it is fucking crazy. There are at this point, I think tens of thousands of scans of found photos. Well, that's what I was going to say. Like all of these things are found snapshots. Mm hmm. Right. If it's a rare book or it's a rare record, it's like that's a a found snapshot, snapchat, snapshot of a piece of creative work that's almost been lost and you found it. Or you find a piece of equipment like I was riding mountain bikes in New Hampshire with my buddy Bruce one time and we came upon this old granite quarry. And where they had like. Uh, quarried it and cut it and there were some big slabs in there still and some big equipment and it was like this snapshot of what was obviously a very busy thriving business a long time ago and I was like oh like all the people driving by this place will not see this you have to get on your bike and go back in the woods to understand that this was here and as you're riding, you're like, oh, I get it. They were quarrying over here. And there's kind of the outline of a, a dirt road that goes out or like maybe there was a, an abandoned rail bed there. And I, that shit, those little snapshots that are almost lost, I find very exciting. I do, too. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And it could be. But there's a San Gabriel Mountains. There's a whole bunch of a big lot of open space just. Just like Pasadena is at the bottom of all of these mountains and there's an old rail bed. I think it was the same designer who did the, or the same engineer team of engineers or whatever that, that did the cable cars in San Francisco. There used to be a trolley that went up to the top of the mountains. And if you ride up this rail bed, which is a little more than a, you know, a little bit wider than single track and a double track in some places. And you get up to the top and you see this amazing view and there's a photo of some people with little parasols and hoop dresses and top hats and pipes and whatever the fuck people did back in the old timey days. 
and they're standing in front of this building and you look at the photo, this old yellowed photo of this building. And then you look at the foundation that's left. And then I look at you, you know, obviously it's the same building, right? That's, that's, that's understood. But to see the shapes of the rocks in the photo, and then you look up and you see the shapes of the rocks in the foundation and you're like, just like, holy shit. Uh, this is, this is it. This is all the same stuff. Obviously, obviously, I mean, people might be listening to this and just rolling their eyes and saying like, yeah, no, no, duh. But that sort of thing is so cool for me to think, uh, we all are sort of existing here simultaneously, even though they were existing here 120 years ago and I'm existing here now, but we still have this, we're occupying the same space. Yeah. Maybe having a similar experience. We're seeing the same view. I don't know. I think that's a really um, kind of poignant experience to have with somebody, even though you're not having it with them. I think specifically, personally, I don't know how to put that. No, I feel that. I think there's another component of it where uh, most people look and say, oh, there's nothing there. Like a lot of people would look at a used bookstore, like who the fuck reads books anymore? You just have, you just listen to books or you have them uh, shot into your brain with lasers or whatever it is people do. Why would you even go in a used bookstore? There's nothing there. But to me, there's treasure there. Uh, why would you even look at that old quarry? Like it's yeah. not, there's nothing in those woods. There's, there's just trees and, and some dirt and there's nothing in those woods. But there is, there's really interesting things everywhere and just to i think to be in that mindset where you're looking for it rather than going through your life you know going through the motions well that's kind of what i that was kind of what i was saying at the beginning was you know we've life is tends to be pretty hectic and we got schedules to maintain and stuff like that it's just to maintain that uh that curiosity because we all had it, I think, when we were kids, you know, when, when, so when I read the notes, there used to be this rock down the hill from my house. It was, I don't know. It was just this rock sticking out of the dirt. And I became absolutely convinced that there was something buried behind this rock. There's no reason this rock didn't look like a door. It didn't look like it'd been put there intentionally. And God knows how deep into the hillside this rock went. But, to my weird little kid head, I knew that if I pulled this rock out and I was absolutely obsessed with what was, what was behind this rock. Why? Like why? You know? So if I would, I would love it if, if, because I think that I think little kids are just weird like that. You know, they're looking at life through with, from kind of from wonder a perspective of wonder and a perspective of curiosity and a perspective of curi of, uh, of, uh, creativity. And that gets lost when we get older, but you know, it, I don't know what, like, what are we, t- what are we telling people here? Like if, if this sounds interesting to you, maybe spend an extra minute wondering about shit, looking at shit, philosophizing about shit. You know, I don't know. If you're not cut out for it or that part of your brain doesn't work anymore, then... Right. 
I mean, it's imagination, isn't it? It's imagination. Like some mm-hmm. people look at a thrift store and they're like, I can't imagine there being a single piece of clothing in there that I would wear. I'm just going to well, get bed. I, I'm just going to get bed bugs if I buy anything from there. Right. But I look and I think I could imagine because I used to dress completely out of th- thrift stores. I can imagine there's a lot of good shit in there. Mm-hmm. You know why? Because some vaguely fashionable people have been dying. <laughs> um, <laughs> or, or the bare minimum, like I need some fucking boots. I need yeah. some boots and I can't afford boots at a boot store. And there's boots that have a lot of life left in them here. So, I mean, at, Absolutely. The, at the very least, when I moved to Boston, I came here from Alabama. I had no warm clothing. I really, I came here without a jacket for winter and I started going to the AMVETS, the American veterans uh, thrift shop also in Alston. It was actually more or less across the street from discovery. Like that was to me, that to me was like a day of shopping. I would go to AMVETS. I would buy like three $1 flannels. Um, and they were the old flannels, right? Like, cause the, a lot of the stuff they get is from dead, like estate clear outs. And it would be like these old guys who had bought wool flannels in the fifties. Right. Those are fucking great shirts. So I would buy like three $1 flannels, go over to Yolanda's, get two books and a record for like another 10 bucks I'm having a great day. Yeah. And we, and you, and you, you know, you, it was stuff, it was stuff you needed and it's stuff you gave us, gave a second life to. Yeah. It's, it's really, that's so exciting. I love, I love, I love stuff like that. Record stores. I mean, you know, I, I just, uh, I used to get in this sort of like one track mind thing where every record store I would go to, I would go try to find that one. Yeah big black record that I couldn't find or that I saw one time that I didn't buy and then never saw again. Yeah. And I still, you know, still do like the, the bees and I'll look for some fluid release, even though I have all of them at this point, right. but I will go just to see. Cause if, cause you like when you flip that record and you see the exact thing that you were looking for, or you even better, you find that one thing that you didn't know you were looking for. Absolutely. I just, it got, it like, it's it's in it's indescribable. I get I get like kind of shaky, and I get I almost feel like I'm getting over on somebody. Like somebody's yeah. looking over my shoulder and they're gonna snatch it away from me. Yeah. Like that's weird. <laughs> that, that I mean, you know, I didn't grow up like people taking the last bite of food off of my fork or anything. So I don't know where that response comes from. But well, you have found a a jewel. You have found an absolute gold bar and you're mm-hmm. like i'm gonna buy this for twelve dollars yeah they're gonna let me buy this for twelve dollars but someone is gonna recognize that this is a jewel and yeah. they're gonna take it yeah 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 i was at uh i was at epicenter records in san francisco and they were great they had a little zine library and they had a little performance space and I don't know who owned it maybe it was somehow associated with maximum rock and roll or something but it was upstairs on uh, Mission Street, it was upstairs from the thrift store, and I went in there and I was digging through the seven inches, and this is probably in late nineties, and uh, I came across Nirvana's first seven inch, which now sells for like thirty thousand mm. dollars, and it was just sitting there with all the records, and I pulled it. I was like, no way, <laughs> there's no fucking way. This has got to be a bootleg. And I looked, and the Matrix number was there, and I asked uh, 
I don't know how I came about. I did because I, I didn't really have the internet. I maybe looked it up later on, and um, yeah, it was like why it ended up there, how it ended up there, because it was well yeah. after you know they had they had blown up. Holy cow! I mean, that's it's just it's you feel it's like a, you you feel like you got over on somebody though. I don't. I feel like nobody wanted whatever this was, and now I'm here to rescue it and take it home and value it the way it deserves. Was it, have you ever seen a movie called The Red Violin? Yes. I have not. <laughs> but I think... Well, I'm glad we talked about it. <laughs> is the premise of that film about the life of a treasure? Yes. And sometimes it's neglected and sometimes it's ignored and sometimes it's celebrated and coveted. Yes. And it goes through generations of people who, right. Isn't that kind of yeah. what that's about? That's right. Um, okay. Yeah. I always like, that's always a really fun uh, aspect of, of any of this that we're talking about to me is well, what has the life of this thing been like? And you know, whatever, it's a seven inch record from 30, five years ago who who cares it really hasn't had much of a life but you see an old painting or you see you know artwork in a thrift store or uh, my buddy dave used to make these really beautiful he would get old aluminum kitchenware and he would anodize he would draw and anodize these really beautiful stories on them and then take them back and drop them off in thrift stores and his address, I think, was sort of inscribed on the bottom. And he'd do lithograph, framed lithographs and stuff. And people would get sometimes get in touch with him. And it was this sort of like, you know, like, you found this treasure. Reach out to me. Let me know what you think about it. He not was unlike, finding not treasure unlike, and then putting treasure back into the world, which I think is a like, pretty cool experiment. Not unlike our friend Bobby Fingers, who does uh, amazing dioramas and is the best thing on the Internet. Oh, my God. <laughs> if we... <laughs> we can't we can't get into this we're burning daylight we're way we have to we have to get to everyone should go to youtube and look up bobby fingers there are two and, videos there are two videos there and my friend forrest sent me the first one and i i probably have watched it 10 times it's mm. just so it's just so so astonishingly good and then, then, then the second I came across the second one, and I want like I I could watch this like if everything on the internet was erased and it was just Bobby Fingers videos, I'd be fine with that. Yeah, it's in it's insane. Yeah. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, we can't get into that. Um, what we oh, we haven't even talked about any of the questions kind that's of that's all right that's all right we i think we i think we got all the way there and we have to do would you rather now before everyone's um turns into a pumpkin do we oh yeah we're jesus we wasted a solid hour here we, we were in a solid reverie about used records there for like 40 minutes you i was drooling i think it was just dead air both of us for a little while there and we were drooling and no words or sound was coming out we'll see you know, uh, one thing I don't remember what record it was, but there's a there's a helmet. There's a on the record sleeve. There's a helmet. I feel like it's Sabbath, or maybe it's not Sabbath. Maybe it's Orange Nine Millimeter. It's some record, and there's a helmet on the inside. It's like a schematic of like a fighter pilot's helmet. And somebody uh. wrote, somebody drew like uh like little balls on the on the on the vents on the 
on the face mask and drew and drew like weed and then like wrote like wrote weed goes here and then drew to like the different <laughs> places you could smoke smoke weed <laughs> out of this fucking helmet so there's i mean that was like a, a a cool little treasure when some some kid was listening to this record and thinking about all the different ways you could smoke weed out of this helmet and felt compelled to draw schematics on the sleeve so y- you have the new mountain flyer magazine in which we both have an article yes uh i got mine and a friend of mine wanted to read it. So she's she's like, can I can I borrow this? And she and her husband both read it. And it was on their living room table. And their fifth grader popped it open and started doing art inside the magazine. And they were oh. like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. We've ruined your magazine. I was like, nope, that's dope. I'll have that. <laughs> that's good. Whimsy, yeah. man. Never yeah. lose whimsy. We keep she the made a treasure. Maintain the whimsy of a fifth grader. And then that magazine is going to end up in a thrift store somewhere along the way or somebody's collection or whatever. And, you know, what stories are people going to tell themselves about why these drawings are in this magazine? Or maybe they won't even question it. But I like to think that everything, they are all, all of this that we're referring to, it's all kind of like a message in a bottle for somebody somewhere. Yeah. For the future. Uh, so that was question one and two. And now question three, we're going to hit the, would you rather, and we're going to wrap this shit up. Um, wrap it up. Would you rather have horns or a tail? Yes. Uh, the horns would be eight to 12 inches long. Uh, and maybe curled or curved. Uh, the tail would be two and a half to three feet long. Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think it. I've seen comic book characters and you know, there's like devil, devil boy, Hellboy, Hellboy. Hellboy. He had big horns, but then he cut them off. Yeah. Uh, he did have a tail. I think, I don't know. He did all right with them. I would take the tail. The tail. Yeah. Why would you take the tail? I like wearing hats. I don't know. I feel like a tail That's would help. With, I feel like a tail would help with balance. Uh, oh. If you if you had muscles and stuff in it, you could use it to like swing. You know, like a monkey. Oh. Um. A horn horns. I feel like would just get in the way. Like I would cat. I would hit my shit walking into doors, and I couldn't wear hats, and it'd be hard to put shirts on, and it was just too too many complications around having horns. I think. So yeah, without it, without question. Give me, without give me, give me, pro, give, me pro, give me pros and cons of, of my decision. What do you think? Um, I mean, I think horns are badass. Yeah, but that's like saying one pro is that here's a pro. It, it like horns are just badass. Uh, tail would mess with your pants. I think you'd have pants issues. Um, so you'd have to maybe run the tail in your pants. Would your tail get cold? I think you might get a cold tail. People would, it would get stepped on and like slammed indoors. Those are all cons about tails. Um, and for horns, I've just got, they are badass. That's what I have. Yeah. You think about a cat tail though. You, if you pet a cat down their butt, their tail folds, right? It can fold right in between their legs. So 
it's not you don't have like a bony protrusion where it sticks out like a dog's tail kind of sticks out and then you can kind of fold it down but if yeah. it's just folded down like a cat's tail you just stick it right stick it right in your pant leg what if the tail like my dog if i say certain words to him that tail starts going like the wiper blades on your car when it's pouring rain mm-hmm. um what if your tail did, was emotionally reactive in a way that you didn't really control. I used to know a girl. I went to school with a girl who had her her coccyx bone, like the end of her spine, yeah. it stuck out. She had a little tail. And somebody oh. asked me when I was talking about her tail one time, they asked if it if she if it wagged when she was happy. <laughs> right. Uh, and I I don't think it did. I I don't know oh. if you... <laughs> <laughs> I don't um i don't i don't think i don't i still would i wouldn't want okay so if it was a tail that stuck out or horns that stuck up yeah (sighs) horns are gonna make it hard to sleep in bed you're Mm -hmm. gonna have to figure out something you're probably stabbing your pillows all the time Mm mm-hmm um, uh, I'd still, I'd still go with a tail. If it was a, if it was an emotionally reactive tail, that would be a real drag. Uh, but if it was like a pretty loosey goosey kind of flexy tail, like a monkey's tail or a cat's tail, I would definitely go with the tail. I'm just going to go with the tail either way. I'm going with the horns. Uh, I'm going with the horns. I think just when I wrote the question in my head, I saw myself with the horns and I was like, yeah, that looks pretty tough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, well, you know, my computer's about to die, so we got to get this shit in the can, so to speak. Uh, hey, thanks for listening hey. to Revolting. Uh, we know it wasn't easy. It certainly wasn't <laughs> for us. If you have any ideas you want us to explore, you can hit Stevel at cyclingindependent.com or robot at cyclingindependent.com. And if you like this, please tell a friend or enemy about it. The number of people listening is somehow connected to the amount of money we make, <laughs> uh, even if we're not really sure how. So, amen to that, brothers and sisters. Uh, On behalf of the Cycling Independent, I'm Steve. Don't forget to suck it.